Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Money and me on your money, only on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. It's me, Ziaul Raushan, with you, and it's time for Money and Me. Now, if there's one person making headlines on a daily basis that we can't ignore, that would be Elon Musk. And you've been following the news closely. The Tesla founder has recently announced that he would resign as chief executive of Twitter, but only once he finds a replacement in an apparent response to a poll he launched that suggested users wanted him to step down. Now, what does this mean for the future of Twitter? And will this be enough for Tesla to finally regain shareholders' trust? Well, we're going to be exploring just that. Plus, we'll also be taking a closer look at China's hasty reopening of its economy. There's no doubt that China's COVID-0 pivot has certainly caught many by surprise. In fact, earlier this month, right after the Chinese government announced plans to loosen COVID-19 restrictions, we witnessed a strong rally among Chinese stocks in hopes of a possible reopening. But today, it seems like we're seeing a completely different picture as trading in China's stocks has plummeted to the lowest in more than two months. This comes as investors deal with fast-spreading COVID infections, squeezing time and attention from portfolios. So how might a hasty reopening affect the rest of Asia and us here in Singapore? Well, plenty of questions and that needs answers. And to help me out with that, I'm delighted to welcome Arun Pai, Investments Team, Monks Hill, onto the show. Good morning, Arun. How are you doing today? Good morning, Roshan. I'm very good. How are you? I'm very excited in terms of the topics we're going to be speaking about. So let's get stuck in to kick things off. Let's begin with Elon Musk. Earlier this week, Musk used a Twitter poll to let users decide whether he should step down as head of Twitter. Quite a brave move, if you ask me. And the users have spoken. In poll results, which were posted on Monday, 57% of voters, or about 10 million votes, favoured Musk stepping down just weeks after he took ownership of the company for $44 billion US dollars. Arun, first things first, what's your take on this? Good or bad for Twitter? I mean, honestly, it's anyone's guess <laughs> if this is even going to happen to begin with, right? Like, very few people, I think, are going to plonk down uh, $10, $15 billion of equity, him along with his cronies, and then suddenly, because of one random Twitter poll, decide <laughs> that he'll actually leave. <laughs> I mean, if anything, there'll probably be some kind of a puppet CEO in place. And to to be completely honest, I'm not even sure if legally, not well, not legally, it's his private company, but I'm not even sure based on uh, the various loan covenants, there'll be a key man clause in there that Mm. he can just decide to unilaterally uh, or based on a Twitter poll, decide that he's not going to be running it anymore. Mm. All the banks who provided him the debt uh, and there's a whole huge list of them, right? Uh, Whether they'll just come out and say, look, Sure, if you want to step down, by all means, but then cough up another $10, 15000000000 billion of equity mm. uh, to buffer our position. So mm. putting all of that together, uh, it, it's really like a very hazy picture, but that's the kind of uh, life that Elon Musk lives, right? Mm. But mm. T- coming specifically to like whether, which, whatever the outcome is, uh, Elon Musk being there or not, look, this, this guy is a lightning rod, right? And <laughs> Hollywood, there's a really famous saying, uh, any press is good press. Yeah. And that really pertains to Elon Musk. Mm. Uh, You've seen some other positive news where a lot of tech CEOs are actually very supportive of Elon Musk because this this comfortable living that a lot of tech employees had over the past five, ten years 
coming into the office, getting free breakfast, lunches, dinners, work from home, laundry at home, massages mm. in the office, all of this other good stuff. He's come out and basically clamped this entire thing down. Yep. He's got a lot of support in society uh, and amongst his fellow CEOs. But at the end of the day, you know, Twitter is a mass public platform. Mm. It's kind of different from the likes of, say, SpaceX or even Tesla, which is more of a product. This is a platform. It, it's it's like the open square for people to come and like voice their opinions. You need a person with a level head to try and steer this. And we've seen the issues that uh, Dorsey, the founder of Twitter, we've seen the issues that obviously Mark Zuckerberg from uh, Meta uh, have all gone through. And from that perspective, you know, getting a more sane person in charge might actually end up being good for Twitter in the long run. Yeah, I certainly think you make some very valid points. The headlines are good in terms of Musk reacting to this poll, but there's going to be legalities involved. But I have to ask you, you talk about someone coming in possibly. Who might be on that CEO list? I mean, who's brave enough to work with Elon Musk? <laughs> and, and more importantly, how long will they even survive in exactly. that position, right? Given the turnover that pretty much any senior manager has had in any of his previous companies. Look, there have been a couple, I remember like reading on Twitter, uh, one of the really famous either MIT or Harvard professors were like, look, uh, I'm happy to step into this for free. And then Elon Musk just, you know, keenly replied, oh, but then you have to put your life uh, earnings uh, also to back this up. So I don't know if this is all just a big game or anything. I highly doubt, uh, you know, in the traditional sense of the word, whether they'll be able to get a very accomplished senior person in this role, because mm. I don't think Elon Musk will work with this guy. Mm. This will have to be someone that Elon Musk will probably parachute in from one of his other companies and probably just end up being a puppet CEO. Mm. Like, I, I just don't see him working with anyone else, mm. sadly. Mm-hmm. Arun, that's, uh, the Twitter conversation is one that will keep on going. Let's move it on slightly to Tesla, shall we? And while Musk has tried to blame the sinking share price partly on macroeconomic factors, many investors attributed this lump to Musk's focus on Twitter. Year-to-date, shares of Tesla have dropped more than 60%, with many analysts expecting it to fall further amid loss of China sales. Now, Arun, talk to us about Tesla's performance this year. To what extent do you think Musk's attention in Twitter influenced its stock? price yes i think it's like two different things over here right like Mm. firstly uh elon musk's involvement with twitter uh i'm not exactly sure whether that's having a particularly significant impact on tesla stock and the reason i say that is these are the same investors who are happy to back him you know five four five years ago whatever before tesla had this huge run up when he was running SpaceX, he was running uh, the Boring Company. He had a couple of like Neuralink AI companies also with him. I mean, he was inventing flamethrowers and stuff, right? This is the same guy that people uh, used to absolutely go crazy over in his in support of pretty much any of his visions. I think what's happening right now. Okay, look, the overall. I mean, his point about and he tweeted about this macroeconomic conditions, specifically in terms of interest rates going up, and hence people will kind of shy away from the riskier assets and go into more fixed income slash money market funds. All of that is very valid, but I really do feel this time is a bit different, wherein there are a lot more rumors and early like initial green shoots of demand dropping, wherein, you know, before he used to like drop the price, increase the price, and just keep playing around with this 
as if it's like a, a video game mm. uh, in terms of like the underlying prices of model 3s and model ys and stuff but this time around uh, you know looking at the kind of like in the last especially about the last like month or two months the amount of which he's trying to like increase rebates increase re- like uh, drop the prices across the globe but especially in china that's something that's a little bit more concerning mm. and you know we've been drumming this beat for a while right like competition is definitely coming certainly uh, did tesla have a head start absolutely mm. uh, but you know when you have competitors like the toyotas mercedes bmws of the world mm. they're coming in pretty like hot and heavy and i think that's starting to give more choices to the con- end consumer which is obviously a good thing mm. from the end consumer perspective but from this little monopoly that tesla had i think that's definitely uh you know causing some certain ripple effects in the stock and you know i've been one uh, for a while who's been short the stock i actually got stopped out because of the crazy run up mm. but you know did i think this stock was overpriced at like 700 800 billion plus market cap absolutely do i think this stock is still extremely overvalued at a market cap of 435 billion i still believe it is mm. right so from that perspective but it, it's very difficult to monetize that view mm. when it comes to a story stock mm. Mm. certainly arun i have to ask then it's a question on all shareholders minds i guess people who read the news what would it take for musk to earn back the shareholders trust then because is this potential resignation from Twitter enough or what else does he have to do? Uh, like not to take anything away from this person and I think like Charlie Munger uh you know Warren Buffett's right-hand mm. man said it the best right like what Elon Musk has achieved in the automobile industry in the US it's a minor miracle mm. right where over the last like you know 50 100 years you've literally only had like three companies that have survived I mean there were 10,000 companies back you know 80 100 years ago all of that bit down to like 3 or 4 most of whom went bankrupt through the global financial crisis yeah. but as along has come this guy who's truly revolutionized the automobile industry coming up with making EVs mainstream so mad respect to that right but from the perspective of like right now and as a shareholder obviously there's still a lot of the aura of Elon Musk but it, i i do i personally believe this whole era of free money uh just story stock over the mm. past 2 3 years has now kind of been wiped out right like when interest when financial uh markets have started to normalize people investors have to come back to what is the reality on the ground yeah. how much free cash flow can this company generate in the future for shareholders go back to the basics of what like investing 101 yeah. right and from that perspective at close to like half a trillion dollars Uh, of a market cap for this company it's still very very rich in terms of valuation mm. and we've seen that across the board across all tech stocks right and tesla is just one of them yeah arun at the risk of sounding slightly speculative i'd like to understand your outlook for tesla here on in <laughs> i love the guy for what he's achieved but i i still believe it, it is overvalued i mm. mean you can go into like various metrics uh going into this kind of an uncertain macroeconomic climate wherein you do not have the support system of central banks pumping in free money yeah. uh, and this is like the globe over uh a lot of challenges up ahead right and if this was a very well priced stock 
then absolutely, you know, give the benefit of the doubt, give extra credence to a really strong visionary founder by all means. Mm. But at half a trillion dollars, uh, is this, in my humble opinion, still very overpriced? I believe it is. Thank you for that, Arun. Let's now turn our attention to China, where we are seeing the stock exchange trading value in Shanghai and Shenzhen falling for a seventh consecutive session on Tuesday. That also marks the longest losing streak since at least 2010, as traders call in sick. While many analysts had expected the reopening to be gradual, it seems like Xi Jinping is taking a huge gamble on a far faster exit in an attempt to rapidly revive its economy. Arun, what's your take on this approach, and is this a risk worth taking? Yeah, well, you know, I'm not a political expert or anything by any stretch of the means, but, uh, you know, President Xi has definitely been painted into a corner, right? Where, mm. and you have people in China, which is unheard of. I mean, in the U.S., you have, like, riots and rallies all day long, all year long, and that's just some, that's just par for the course. But in China, for a certain larger group of people to get together and actually voice their displeasure against the government is something that's just not uh, very culturally, politically acceptable. Certainly. And when that started happening, I think President Xi really had no choice. So he was, he was stuck with that, mm. coupled with the fact that the economy has slowed down quite significantly. Uh, you know, going back a year, two years, we've gone through all of these trade wars. We've gone through this crazy property bubble that's been deflating continuously. There's not been that big a crash just yet, but that's a big concern, I believe, that, uh, uh, you know, the CCP will definitely have in the back of their minds. Mm. And then to top it off, you've got people just being extremely disgruntled by being locked away for uh, three years and counting right now, yeah. wherein regardless of how much they try to clamp foreign news and information from outside the borders from getting in, they can see people living their lives, Mm. right? So when you've got this kind of a pretty difficult living standard, Mm. naturally people had a huge outburst and that's led to uh, the government potentially taking, you know, being forced to take measures which they otherwise would not have. The markets though, uh, like my personal take is it's, it's, you know, sure, like, infections will spike up a little bit and all of that stuff that's it's going to happen and we've seen all countries go through that right but i I think the markets correcting in china and hong kong is more on the back of all of these uh macroeconomic uh concerns globally but specifically in china like property was a huge and is still a huge percentage of their gdp Mm. and with that uh massive asset bubble on the back of basically you know uh, close to free capital sloshing around in the economies, that's starting to be pulled away. We are starting to see that asset bubble deflate. Mm. And, you know, we saw that in the global financial crisis, right? When property starts coming down, that's a massive chunk of the economy. You'll start seeing uh, massive ripple effects across all other sectors and segments of society. Yeah, certainly. Just very quickly, going back to that topic of the infections, fast-spreading infections, we've seen it across various countries when they take the bold step, shall we say, to open up, right? But do you think in terms of China, having been so strict for three years, would they almost panic with these numbers? Because I've read reports of possibly new variants, other countries complaining. So do you see China sticking to its reopening plans or possibly you know, taking a step back and reverting back to its COVID-0 policy? Personally, it's going to be very, very difficult to go back, mm. right? I mean, if anything, I would like to hope, like I would like to think that uh, the CCP will just enable uh, 
foreign-made vaccines uh, to be allowed in the country, yeah. uh, which have much higher efficacy, mm. uh, thereby leading to uh, you know a much smaller uh, fatality rate. Uh, that being said, I believe the latest iterations of Sinopharm and Sinovac and stuff have improved quite significantly. But uh, I mean, the stuff, little bit that I've read in this space, it doesn't seem like it's at the level of uh, you know, even AstraZeneca, leave alone like uh, Pfizer and Moderna mm, and mm, stuff. Mm. So with that, I, you know, personally feel very, very difficult. It's like, you know, us in Singapore, right? Can you imagine going back to a complete <laughs> lockdown? Unless there's Fingers some toes, really crazy variant. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right? Like, it, it, it's very, very difficult. Mm. We, we've gone through so much. We've got vaccination. Luckily, over here at least, we've had, you know, the government was, uh, precedent in terms of realizing this is going to be a problem and mm. got the tremendous amount of vaccines over here. And I think things are, have improved significantly. I think the same thing is going to go through China. People will start traveling outside, potentially getting other vaccines over there. And, you know, we will try to get back to business as usual as quickly as possible. I highly doubt we'll go back to a complete lockdown. Mm, mm, mm. I, I think I'm inclined to agree with you there. Arun, how do you see this affecting the rest of Asia, though, and especially here in Singapore? Because, yes, China is opening up, but there is, there is this threat of potentially new strains coming along. So should the rest of Asia and Singapore keep its guard up at this point? Look, I mean, Chinese tourists have obviously been a very nice uh, uh, boon to economies across Southeast Asia and the rest of Asia, right? Like the amount of money and kudos to uh, the Chinese economy for having such rapid development over the past 40, 50 years mm. to get up to a 10, 15, 18, whatever number you have in mind, trillion dollars worth of GDP. Uh, rest of Asia needs China, the growth engine of China to start humming again. Mm. Like we, we desperately need it. I mean, us in Singapore to be to bring this topic back home. Yep. You know, we, we were stuck between the US and China, right? And and we need their relationship to significantly improve. We need, uh, US is going, you know, obviously quite strong. The economy is still relatively strong, I would say. But we really need China to start opening up and start getting that growth engine humming again. It doesn't need to be 8 or 10% growth like back in the day, right? We're talking about a much, much larger economy and then, sort of percentage basis, even a smaller increase will be more than enough to uh, sustain and assist uh, the rest of the world to grow. Also, so I think we need to take a look at this from a very different lens. We don't forget gone are the days of eight, ten percent. Nor is it even possible. Nor is it even required. But even just getting back to a three, four, five percent steady growth will be very, very advantageous to the rest of Asia. So we are definitely rooting for them. Yeah, we certainly are rooting for them. I just we've talked plenty about the negatives, shall we say, the the ongoing problems and stuff like that. Perhaps let's turn our attentions now to some bright spots and opportunities that you're seeing as China reopens. Well, the biggest opportunity, and I think this is a bit of a moonshot, but you know, I'll just put it out there. Do it. My hope is that uh, China will try to ensure that the Russia-Ukraine crisis can be resolved by going up to President Putin, because obviously President Xi and President Putin have a very good relationship. And if President Xi can kind of orchestrate that, I think that will curry a decent amount of favor with uh, the West and the rest of the world. That will enable the beginning of the thawing of relations between the U.S. and China. Mm. Right. So I, I think if China does that, potentially strengthens up its IP 
uh, protocols and a couple of others like you know patent infringements and technology copywriting issues, etc. I think that double whammy, if that kind of if that does happen, I think that will be a very very good facilitator to ensure the thawing of relations. And if that happens, uh, even if you know the world does go into a recession, I think it will be much more of a soft landing. Because look, I mean, you know, when you have the two big gorillas in the room fighting in <laughs> against each other, yeah. us like not to disrespect Singapore by any stretch of the means, yeah. but you know, we are like all small little ants. Not a Singapore, right? Every other country exactly. in the world mm. are like small little ants as compared yeah. to those two behemoths, mm. and we'll just get trampled in the process. Mm. So that that's my hope and that's my wish mm. that as we go in, uh, you know, China will have to do something. I feel to gain back the trust of the West, mm. and uh, the West will need to extend an olive branch also, uh, and we can start going back to, you know, where we were three, four years ago, mm. or maybe slightly longer, to ensure that we just don't have, you know, one world, two different uh, technology modules, yeah. uh, two different sets of way of living. Uh, it's just, it's not beneficial to anyone, especially a trading powerhouse like Singapore that sits in the middle. Yeah, that's fascinating insight, Arun. That's why we love speaking to you. We're speaking to Arun Pai, investments team at Monks Hill Ventures. Arun, just in time to wrap this conversation up, I need to try and understand your final thoughts and advice on how we should reconfigure our investing approach into the new year, all things considered. <laughs> I mean, you know, I've always been professing, even before, like the some segments of the market rallied like crazy, especially in the technology sector. Mm. They went so far away from fundamentals. It just became momentum trading, uh, you know, people just feeling more envious and greedy of their neighbors having made so much money by punting around in some small tech stock or even large tech stocks, over leveraging themselves, overextending themselves. Mm. I think what central banks across the globe have been doing is trying to bring some kind of more normalcy to the markets, trying to deflate uh, this rampant inflation that's running amok in our uh, in the world over, and increasing short-term interest rates, which is bringing some kind of sanity back to the markets. Like Warren Buffett compares interest rates to gravity, uh, to asset prices, right? You increase the interest rates, it's a larger force of gravity which brings down these asset prices, especially in the speculative field, be it in the public markets or in the private markets. And I think for the long run, that's actually more beneficial to society. So as an investor, I think it's going back to, you know, as I said earlier in, in your show, go back to investing 101, right? Try and identify what the value is in a business, the competitive moat the company has, the strength of management mm. at a certain comfortable valuation point that has a certain margin of safety mm. right and you put all of those things together don't try to go for like these short term oh i think the stock is going to pop in one week two weeks because of uh, earnings or because of some central bank announcement it's not about that uh, take a step back take a look at your portfolio holistically realize that interest rates are most probably not going back to zero anytime soon mm. the punch bowl has kind of been taken away from these markets and just invest in a sane, rational manner for the long run. Easier said than done. I've succumbed to it myself personally <laughs> many times. But, uh, you know, uh, that would be my two cents of advice. Yep, certainly words to live by. And you heard it here first on Money FM 89.3. Now, Arun, thank you very, very much for your fascinating insight this Thursday morning. And not just this Thursday morning, but all year long, whenever you've come on to share your wisdom with us. 
My pleasure. Thanks as always for having me. In advance, a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We've been speaking to Arun Pai, Investments Team at Monks Hills Ventures. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.